All right, hi. This is the intro. Uh, we're we're this is for part two of Evangelium. Uh, I just wanted to talk about how we we're like we're gonna do a, a thing where we talk really quickly about Hawthorns and and why what we where we picked up from last episode. But we're also uh, changing format a little bit after this week. Uh, the last two weeks we've kind of had a podcast, and in, including this week we we've, we've had a podcast where we record everything that we do on the adventure and. Next week, it's going to be more of a, a before and after segment. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. So, basically, it was really, um, it was kind of loud in there. It was hard. And we just kind of looked weird, I the, think. The, the mics also weren't as good. I think the most important thing to us was the clarity of conversation. And we felt like it was better at the house anyway. Yeah. yeah. And we also felt like uh, we could do it uh, better if we had, and, and we could do it, you know, more often if we had the equipment ourselves. Yeah, and, and also it's just nicer to enjoy a beer and just chat. Yeah, exactly. And we and come we, back. We felt like the conversations we had at the house before and after were much more poignant in this episode, and we use that as a guiding light for you know what we're going to do in the next one. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the next one, we just do the before and after, and then the experience more documented, and we talk about it. Oh, I think that's the uh, that's the first inaugural uh, guiding light. Reference, uh, uh, not reference. Uh, oh, I thought that for the was... list. Our, our, our guiding lights. Oh, you know? yeah. I don't know how many we get. I was gonna say ten, but that seems like not enough. Probably. Probably not. All right, that's one. That's one guiding light. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about Hawthorns. Episode one, part two. Part two of. Part of two. two. Yeah. 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 Evangelium. Uh, so where we last left off, we were at the coffee shop. What's the name of the coffee shop? Green Street. Yeah, we were at Green Street Coffee Shop. Yeah. Uh, we're getting some coffee, and we're going to pick up right after that, but we're on our way to Hawthorne's. You want to talk a little bit about Hawthorne's, Hunter? Yeah, it's great. I think we mentioned it before we went there. So this is back in January, and it's a great um, beer bar, and they have a bottle shop in there, and it's more of a restaurant, really. Um, and unfortunately, very shortly after we went there, they actually had a really bad fire in the building. I don't think anyone was hurt, but the whole, like, building was basically gutted, and the whole, like, for instance, the top floor was, like, you could see, there was no roof on it. You could see sunlight just through the empty, where the windows used to be, basically. And, but so apparently, crazy. we were just, we were so just on their crazy. website. Yeah, it was really crazy. It was really bad. Um, but on their website, they're going to be open up for July fifth. I mean, I'm not sure if they're open already, but they're they have. Well, they're at least having an event on July fifth. We don't know if is it at the bar. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. All right, well, go support them because uh, they're a fantastic place, and uh, they certainly need the support right now. And it's an IPA block festival, block yeah, party. Who wouldn't want to be at that? that? Sounds amazing. Yeah. Like that sounds like what I want for my birthday party. So yeah, Hawthorns. Okay, here you go. It's the intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops. Politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh, that actually is the end of... That's it. We just talk culture and shit. What kind of cheese did you bring him? Uh, oh, I've remember. been to this park before. Do you remember we walked through here late night when we were drunk one other time? Yeah, I'm sure Coming we did. Coming from uh, Dave's house, I believe. Yeah, well, it, we wouldn't have gone by here. We probably walked- No, but you remember he was at that party, the Johnny Walker's party? Um, this is the problem with uh, drinking beers during the day, is you tend to forget a lot of the things that you uh, were thinking about earlier in that day. Mm -mm. 
them. Okay, maybe not if you're an experienced drinker like Hunter. <laughs> I'm not. But I'm new for, to this whole thing, totally. For me, I don't. I've never. Even I uh, I seem to. Um, I don't like to mix uh, alcohol. Coffee. No. Sunlight. Um, work. Uh. I've never been able to work while. Uh, well, that's the beauty of all this, right? Is that this isn't work? You mean? Or that, or that uh, this is work, and that um, we're trying to make this work. It's a great deal that I've been getting. So yeah, Philadelphia, you got to buy cases, as I was saying earlier. And Dude, I know PA rules. Growing up, I don't know. Born and raised. Telling our audience that's gonna that we're gonna get eventually when we have an audience. Don't um, be too close. Don't stand too close. Why? Because I'm gonna hit. No, because you're speaking into both mics at the same time. Okay. Um, anyhow, so basically you. The best deal going is if you go to distributors, and uh, even then it's okay, it's not great. But I found a connection through my manager where you, his, his, his good buddy works for a distributor that I think primarily deals with um, like non, non-commercial distributors, so it's like non... Um, like you and me, like restaurants and whatever else. <laughs> so their deal now, they used to have this deal on a, uh, you know, Founders? Yeah, I love Founders. So they had Founders Centennial IPA in bottles for like 32, 33 bucks. That's good. For a case, it's incredible. And I, uh, I still say Fagley's a little better, but yeah. What? Fagley's for 40. Well, like, yeah, but I've never seen that, so. Is it 24 bottles or 30? Absolutely. 24. Yeah, okay. Um, absolutely. Yeah, 11.5. Yeah, of course. But anyhow, um, they just started doing cans. And cans of the uh, Centennial, yeah. Oh, wow. 28 for a case. Wow, is that 30? No, again, 24. Oh, well, case might, means you know, 24. No, it doesn't all the time. Yes. Pa- no. You're talking about a 30 pack. Case versus 30 pack. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe you're right. I'll have to look up a definition of that too. Or 30 rack. But regardless, like, it's fucking awesome because it's gonna be five o'clock soon. We're gonna do happy hour, brother. Hell yeah. Uh, anyhow, so. Is it really gonna be? Do they have a happy hour there? Well, yeah, on their draft periods. Oh, but well, we're that not going help. primarily for the drafts, but I guess. What time is it? Maybe first round we do cans or bottles. Second round we five do Five minutes to five. What? Five minutes to five. Uh, so we were on... We are on chapter four. Just give me a second. Chapter four. Section four. Sorry. Which, uh, yes, yeah, it is chapter four. The social dimension of evangelization. We're talking about the section section, the inclusion of the poor in society. Um, uh, you know, he just said things like, um, there's actually a really interesting uh, Bible quote in here, uh, which is, uh, how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? And um, I find that really interesting because, uh, you know, there's not, you know, Jesus said a lot of things, but that's actually not Jesus who said that. But it's pretty much a central tenet to the entire concept of religion, right? Exactly. Like, like that or we should be helping out uh, 
other uh, our brothers and sisters, like other right. humans. And that well, doesn't just include Christians. What's the Jesus quote where it's like, a, it's like a, something about that if, you, if you're rich and you don't help the poor, you're basically not good. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, I think he talks about that later. Something like that, yeah. Well, God's heart has a special place for the poor. The entire history of redemption is marked by the presence of the poor. Uh, this is why I want a church which is 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 poor and for the poor. But that's an interesting thing to say for like the Catholic Church, I think, to say that we want a church that is poor. Because, uh, you know, the Vatican is like uh, gilded in gold. I don't know if you've ever been there. <laughs> no, I've never been there. But, but yeah, you would think point. the Pope is like a shower. And, uh, but, I mean, obviously, the, he's been a very... Um, practice a lot of solidarity as the Pope. I mean, he's living in that little house and... Uh, what of what? Kit, he's washing beggars' feet. Solid, uh, solidarity with the citizens of the Catholic yeah. Church. I can see that. But uh, but I'm saying like the, the still the the policy of the Vatican hasn't changed. And what kind of uh, what kind of the ability does the Pope have to actually change the uh, the uh, Vatican theocracy? I guess like like how much can he affect the actual papacy? Yeah. Like there are even Catholic bishops who have rebelled against what he had to say. And then that, that might be the irony. The irony might be that he might not be able to change anything. Is but isn't his word supposed to be infallible? Like it's the word of God. Clearly not. Within the doctrine of the Catholic. Church. Well, look at the Fox News. Like rebellion, so to speak. Well, well, yeah, we'll get back to that in a second, but. Um... And what is this, this is interesting, too. He says, um, oh, this part I really love. He says, the plant belongs to all mankind and is meant for all mankind. The mere fact that some people live, the mere fact that some people are born in places with fewer resources or less development does not justify the fact that they are living with less dignity. Yes. To speak properly of our own rights, we need to broaden our perspective and to hear the plea of other peoples in other regions than those of our own country. Which is like globalization, where I was saying. Exactly. Like it's, it's really interesting. And he, it kind of uh, reckons the idea that, like, um, uh, you know, the planet is all of ours and that this is a shared responsibility. What? Oh, hey, guys. Yeah, so we, uh, we decided to move. The, the couches were too, um, too loud by the fireplace. For some reason, I don't know if the speakers were there or something. I but... think there was just too many people in that area of the bar. Yeah, but I love sitting on a couch just by a fireplace drinking a beer. There's definitely something to be said about that. Yeah, it's beautiful. If you get to go there, please sit there. We, we wish we could have sat there. We had a great time at the table, but yeah, it's just nice. We did have some fireplace envy. Yeah, okay. exactly. Well, enjoy the table conversation. That was interesting what the uh, waitress uh, at the last restaurant said about uh, dehydration, though. About what? About dehydration. We're going to have to look so that, that up. It's, like, doesn't, it's not proven, basically? It's weird. No, that it won't help you. I mean, I'm going to have to look that up. It sounds interesting. All right, can we keep talking about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, this is better, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I agreed. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was just saying... I'm actually gonna use this chair to hold my stuff though, okay? I think it's all right, right? Do they ask for it? Okay, um, uh, he says, we are not simply uh, talking about ensuring nourishment or dignified sustenance for all people, but also their general temporal welfare and prosperity. This means education, access to healthcare, and above all, employment. For, yes. for it is through free, free creative participatory 
participatory and mutually supportive labor that human beings express and enhance the dignity of their lives. A just wage enables them to have access, adequate access to all other goods which are destined for our common use. Meaning things like wealth, uh, meaning things like healthcare, I think he's talking about. Saying that if there was a, a minimum living wage, wage. No, but if there was, he's saying if there was a higher minimum wage, that we wouldn't have to improve access to education or healthcare or these things because it would, it would be, yeah, exactly, it would be affordable. The common goods would be affordable again. And I was wondering, do you think a minimum wage can really solve all those problems? Do you think a minimum wage really will, could, no, could? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I'm curious to see a menu, yeah, well, but probably see a menu too. just this. Oh, uh, yes, this that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We don't need it anymore. Thank you. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, we're going to do some menus and then we'll go over the specials with you real quick. All right, great. Yeah, well, why don't you think, like, because I, I, I agree, I don't think it can solve everything. Well, I think I that's, mean, like, a part of a larger solution. Because I, yes. I don't think healthcare should even be dependent on the minimum wage. I think no, minimum like, wage is irrelevant. Minimum, not irrelevant, but, like, it's a barrier. Sorry, I've got to change my mic. It's caught on my... You know what? It's caught on my headphones. Uh, yeah, so Jesus, you know, God's heart has a special place for the poor. So much help so, so that he himself became poor. Um which is an interesting idea. I don't really know. These are all optional things. Um, oh, here we go. As long as the problems of the poor are not radically resolved by rejecting the absolute autonomy of markets and financial speculation, and by attacking the structural causes of inequality, no solution will be found for the world's problems, or for that matter, to any problems. Inequality is the root of all social ills. I don't agree that it's necessarily the root of all socialists, but I do think it's the cause of most of them. Yes, absolutely. Um, Access to better um, mental health care. Um, yes. Here's uh, what, here's education. Yeah. Here's what I really want to talk about, okay? Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. No, you're good, you're good. I was like some liberal friends, and here's the, here's the thing that we constantly come up with. I, I have this debate, and like, I have this one buddy, I won't name names, but he doesn't disagree with the sentiment that the Pope is expressing, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he disagrees that the Pope should be able, like, like should be allowed that. to say these things because well, he doesn't. He doesn't disagree that like every. He doesn't disagree with anything the Pope's saying, but he disagrees that it's the Pope's place to say that. And my argument against him is that is that if it has to do with people suffering, with with his quote unquote his, quote unquote his people suffering. Then it, then but I don't understand the justification. What is it? Why is he saying? Like I, I understand. I have several quotes from people who responded with things saying that they don't think the Pope's place is to be in politics or economics, and that the Pope doesn't know what he's talking about. He's mostly talking about economics in Argentina, not talking about the U.S. Blah blah blah. But blah. it's bullshit. But but my bigger point is like, why would he not have the right to talk about these kind of things? The church has always been a huge part of people's lives. Always commented on politics to the point that they did not comment on the Nazi Party. You know that is one of the the big the Pope John Paul literally had to apologize because they had not said anything against the Nazi Party. They supported the Nazi Party. So how can you? Or they did not support the Nazi Party. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, how can they not take political stances when that's all they've done throughout time? Well, so It's just not convenient for the people who are in charge. Of course. I mean, I know. The I'm gay just... marriage thing was totally fine with them. Contraception, fine. With, with who? With the hierarchy, with the people that be. No, with the... no, it's all the same, man. It's all tied in. 
gay marriage, contraception, and war on the wealthy. Those are the three main things that uh, old school Catholics have issues with with this, with this new pope. What do you say? No, no, no. I'm saying that those those they didn't that the the uh, powers that be did not have an issue with. Uh, Catholicism or with the Pope being in charge of their lives or being involved in politics until those politics became inconvenient with the way that they viewed their belief system. Well obviously. But, yeah, but I'm saying like I'm saying like when when it was about contraception or gay marriage they didn't seem to have an issue. No they did though. Totally. What was their issue? That you shouldn't have that. No but that I'm saying the church gave them that point and they were fine with using that in the political frontier, but all of a sudden when it becomes about economics, they're like, oh, the Pope shouldn't be in politics. The oh, same oh, people oh, 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 you're who saying accepted that, you're saying that. that they're okay with the Pope saying no abortion. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying agreed, that, agreed, I'm agreed. Saying yeah, that yeah, they're well, fine yeah. with the Pope being involved in politics as long as it's social issues, but not social economics. He says he's far from proposing a responsible populism. Uh, but the economy can no longer turn to remedies that are new poisons, such as attempting to increase profits by reducing the workforce and thereby adding to the ranks of the excluded. So he's saying make new jobs. And then he says, um, but the Lenica said he directs it towards politicians and government leaders and financial leaders to take their heat and broaden their horizons, working to ensure that all citizens have dignified work, education, and health care. Right. Um, but he doesn't mention the fact that the church could be actively, you know, promoting things like this with their financial ability like why why doesn't the church have commercials it's funny you say that because um, that's my buddy at work who is like against the like the pope speaking out he's like starts at home you know the catholic church is, in, is a huge money maker so like yeah dude. why wouldn't they put the money where the mouth is if that's the issue exactly that's what i'm saying i don't know man. and can the pope do that or does that have to be a large catholic uh, yeah i church? think that's i, I think spilled on myself by the way while you were gone uh, which uh, thankfully I didn't spill on the equipment, but uh, you know it happens almost every time I drink. I spill on myself a little bit. I think it's mostly on my um, pants. I have a literal drinking problem. Like, you ever seen an airplane? Like, yes. Um, and he says that he needs to ensure the economic well-being of all countries, not just a few, um, which is globalism, like I said. Uh, oh, and this feels like a direct criticism of things like the Tea Party. He says. Uh, if anyone feels like it fails offended by my words, which would be, I would respond that I speak to them with affection and with the best of intentions, quite apart from any personal interest or political ideology. So he's saying, oh, no, this is what he's saying. Uh, sorry, I read that wrong. That's about something else. He said, I already said that. Um, any church community, if it thinks it can comfortably go its own way without creative concern and effective cooperation in helping the poor to live with dignity and reaching out to everyone, will also risk breaking down however much it may talk about social issues or criticize governments. Right. It will easily drift into spiritual worldliness camouflaged by religious practices, unproductive meetings, and empty talk. Yes. Which is like a huge thing, right? Uh, this is this is awesome, but kind of a topic. Look at some. Let's see. Wait, let's review the spirits we got. Oh, Bell's Imperial Style. I, I like this. I'm not a huge fan, to be honest. It's a... Uh, a little too strong and biting, bitter. Can I try it? I, when, I, 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 when I like Imperial Stouts, it's usually, try it? yeah, of course. It's usually because they're darker, maltier, and this one just tastes too dry to me. It's just like, whoa. It's not what I like in a stout. It's just too strong. Yeah, try mine. What's this one? Yorick's Rye. It's a rye IPA. 
Take six five, oh, six two. Like that. I like that a lot. It's a new one. It's very, it's, oh, I really like that. It's like yeah. very mellow, refreshing. Yeah, they're actually having competition to rename it or to it's name like, it something else besides rye. I like grapefruit. It's pretty tasty. I think it, I think it has a strong citrus flavor. I really like it. I would, I would definitely favor this over this. I'd give this like, um, are we gonna do it in Monopoly terms? Is that what we decided? Sure. Yeah. So I'd give this. Uh, Three Monopoly spaces, I don't know. How many, what are we doing? Give us a hotel. Oh, that's good. Okay. Go Alright, hurry up. So there's kind of a skip here because originally we had planned to go to uh, this other beer a store. Yeah. Uh, and then we decided that we had had enough beer that day and that we should just go home and continue our conversation. Yeah, we had some beer at home. Yeah, exactly. So we are just going to go drink that. So we went home. And continue the conversation there. Which, funnily enough, is the same thing that happened uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday when we did episode three. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, episode, episode two. two. It's yeah, the we, third part. <laughs> episode three, and it, but we rewind. The comeback, back. episode two. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so now we're going back home, and we're going to yeah chat about some stuff there. The hip-hop. Is that next? Or no, there's we have one more section. Doesn't matter. Okay, well, hip-hop's going to come up, probably. It so, always does, Henry and hip-hops. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter and I both, uh, I snowboard, Hunter skis. Make a good combination, though, because I'm a snowboarder who used to do a lot of jumps and rails, but is now more into, uh, like, racing and doing harder slopes and back slopes and things like that. So I feel like I have more of a skier style. And I started out skiing. I skied until I was 12 and then <clears throat> got into snowboarding. Although I feel like that's how most of my generation did it. Like, we all, <clears throat> most of the snowboarders I know either got into it when they were 12 because they were learning or they transitioned from skiing because uh, it was just a more popular thing at that time. Did you, were you affected by that at all, Hunter? Most of my friends growing up were snowboarders, actually, and uh, yeah, it was a very popular thing with our age group because of uh, like uh, it was like skateboarding era, nineties, where skateboarding and snowboarding and surfing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Johnny Tsunami and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, actually, Brink. I remember that Johnny Tsunami. What was the fuck was that again? It's a it's a Disney TV yeah. movie. <laughs> All right, is it time but, for uh, last beer time? Well, no, no, no. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, talk about a few things first, and then we'll do that. If that's okay. okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Shoot. Uh, first <coughs> thing uh, was the subject of these magazines that we pulled out earlier. Uh, this is Henry and this is Henry and hip hop. This is Henry and hip hop. This is Henry and hip hop. Yeah, I, I was just fucking with you. I actually don't have my guitar. I think it's upside down. Uh, Hunter's got two magazines here. We're gonna have a picture online. One's of a Rolling Stone cover of Macklemore, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, and uh, one's uh, the GQ of uh, Kendrick Lamar, the hotly debated GQ Kendrick Lamar article, which TDE did not enjoy. Wait, really? Oh, you Top dog? Oh, you don't know about this? No, no. Oh, this is great. I'm glad we can talk about this now. I never heard any response at all. Oh my god. Though, okay, really. so um, I'm trying to remember which member it was. I think it was. Uh, Who's who's not not who's the head of the group the manager? I have no idea. He's not any of the four. You know what I mean? He he said, oh God, I should look this up. We'll look this up later. But uh, he said that um, uh, 
the article was racist a little bit in its comparisons because it compared him oh. to Suge Knight, Kendrick Lamar to like Tupac. It, 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 it drew all these comparisons in terms of the East-West Coast rivalry and gang warfare that they were never involved in. Like they were never involved in, in gang wars. They never brought up an East-West Coast rivalry and stuff. And they were really pissed off that this stuff was being brought up in an article about Kendrick. And I agree with what they were saying, though I think they went a little too far with their commentary and that they said like, nobody should buy the GQ. They should have just said like, it was nice that GQ gave us the Man of the Year award, but we think their article was a little, um, superficial or derogatory it's funny because when reading it i didn't really get that at all nobody got that that's the thing is like everyone's really surprised gq was shocked you know i don't think they intended to make it that way but i but i see what they mean in retrospect do you know what i mean i should reread it but yeah i know i don't really know i mean the comparisons to suge knight and everything is just like yeah i get it um but anyhow two of my favorite rappers you know? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Kendrick fan. I've been a fan of his for a few years, like way, like uh, before Mad City and that stuff. But um, right. But and you liked Macklemore, I think, before the heist, right? Yeah. Or at well, least you knew he, about he him. He used to pop up on my uh, Pandora for Childish Gambino back in the day, and it's just like I mean, they're very different, but they're both equally, I think, relevant, and they certainly represent at least right now, diversity. certainly. Yeah, and it, it, together I think they represent the diversity of where rap is going. Well, it's what interesting. It I, I, this is the thing. I, I like both of them. Uh, I saw both of them live actually in Philly earlier this year oh, at yeah. a Made in America festival. Not together though. And, no, not together though. I saw the you know the TDE crew, uh, Black Hippie, and then Macklemore yeah. the next day. And, and I have to say, like, both of them were equally good on stage. They, Macklemore has a stage presence that cannot be denied. He, he definitely is, like, when they talk about, you know, Method Man and Red Man, when I saw them live, they talk a lot about emceeing yeah. and the fact that a real MC doesn't need a backup. You know, he doesn't need a, a, a backing track or, like, you know, somebody feeding him his lyrics and all that stuff, which a lot of rappers do have, like, especially a lot of pop rappers, like Eminem. I mean, I, I, Eminem didn't really do it with Rap God, but he did a few, lot when he was live performing and he and and a lot of those rappers do you know do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah or even like you're not even actually singing your lip singing yeah but that that's even a whole other level beyond what right, i'm talking about yeah. which is just like yin yang twins kind of rapping yeah. where or fabulous or whoever where they're like they can rap in a studio but in a live concert they can't keep up with their rhythm or whatever because they were just doing one-liners in the studio or they can't breathe properly to keep up with their raps do you know what i mean of course yeah and macklemore macklemore you can hear every word he says you can hear uh the the yeah. vibrato and emotion in his in his <laughs> voice you know when he talks about things and i think there's something addictive about that kind of energy and i feel like he definitely brings it in concert and i feel like that that is one thing where they're like very similar i like kendrick more because i think his lyricism is more interesting in terms of his uh, yeah. rhyme schemes yeah mostly because i think macklemore is writing like free verse poetry more than like traditional rhyme schemes if you will because like he doesn't even rhyme sometimes You're right yeah it's more about like uh just like what he feels like saying that time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, it, the hard thing is, is like if they're both nominated for the same award, I mean, yeah. you can't even really start even to talk about that. Just yeah, because I, I mean, feel like there should be a different award for each, like there's a, like a, there's two different categories. Like what Macklemore's making is like more like, um, not not in a bad way, but like it's like rap as opposed to hip hop in some ways. Like what, yeah. what they always well, talk I about. Yeah, well, I mean, and what people say now with this whole, like how he won is that, 
arguably his his take on hip hop or rap or whatever you want to call it is much more uh, palatable to the average uh, Grammy voter, right? Uh, because he's upper white. class white person. Yeah, because he's white and because he comes from relative privilege versus the hood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually don't think that's why it's 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 more passable. I actually think yeah, I actually think it has to do with Ryan Lewis and the beats that are made. And I think Ryan Lewis is a you know, I think he's a huge part of his success if you look at what he's been able to do. Of course, yeah, no, definitely. But I just think that it's hard just because it's like um what's that um uh, that other duo where the guy makes the beats and the... Sorry, I'm blanking on their name. Atmosphere. No, not Atmosphere. Of course, <laughs> that's 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 the biggest comparison for Michael Moore, I think. But that one's too obvious. I was talking about... Yo, now, how much better is my mic sound? Um, so much better. Not, not... Uh, God, I'm so sorry. You, you just keep talking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what the, who I was talking about. Just give me a second. All right. Well, what I really want to talk about is the difference between Macklemore. Well, I and also want to Kendra. talk about that that uh, text that was sent out. Well, there's two texts. Oh, Chitty, two. Chitty Bang is who I was talking about. So I feel like Chitty Bang. No, let's listen to this. Also they, from Philly, Drexel. They, I feel like they. I can compare them to mm. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis because I feel like a lot of Chitty Bang success. Chitty Bang has had less success because their lyrics are less poignant and less. Uh, and, and certainly less relevant than Matt, what Macklemore has been writing. It's not, it's not, I would not compare their lyricism, but I would say their beats are similar in that the beats have propelled the rapper to a stage that they could not otherwise have attained without the like uh, poppy repetitiveness. I don't, know what, I don't know what to call it. It's beautiful in some ways, do you know what I mean? It's like what the Beatles created, but it's like a continuation of that. You don't think? There's yeah, something. I think because I think Kendrick's album is not accessible in that way. It's like such like a no, yeah, it's a, I agree, it's but... opera in some ways. You don't have to, uh, you have to listen to it and then realize it's a sarcastic remark. Like some, uh, there's a lot of people who listen to swimming pools now and still think it's a song that's about drinking in the club, not about like alcoholism. Well, they're you know? just fucking idiots. Then, Where's my phone? Let's play some songs real quick. We can't play songs. We're going to talk about that. All right. Well, and what I was going to say is that I think that Chitty Bang might not be the best comparison, but I hear what you're saying. And I'm just talking about to Ryan Lewis, not to Matt. Yeah, Lamar. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but Chitty Bang relies on a lot of, like, um, remixed uh, existing songs, whereas I think Ryan Lewis does a lot of his own, almost exclusively his own beats. But what I was going to say is just that, like, is that fair? The, uh, yes, definitely. Definitely so. I would say, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I would agree with that. Yeah. All right, continue oh, on. Um, basically, I think that Macklemore is the next evolution in the white rapper. Like, he's obviously way better than, um, uh, what's the, f- uh, Asher Roth, right? Oh, like, my gosh, Yeah, yes. yeah, so it's, like, it's, like, it's much more uh, uh, socially conscious is he better than uh, Eminem? Well, it's, that's what I was going to say. It was like, wh- whereas being completely different than Eminem. You can't even compare Or even to... Bubba Sparks. Well, Bubba Sparks <laughs> is like Latino or whatever, right? No, he's white. Just completely white? Yeah, I think so. He's like a white boy from the South. All right, I think well, that's why Timbaland signed him because it was right after Eminem, and he was yeah. like, "I'm gonna have my M on Eminem." Well, I actually, I, I, I kind of dig Bubba Sparks. Me too, because yeah. but he's got good rhymes. The thing about Macklemore is that I love Macklemore's like music and like what he represents in a lot of ways, but I don't necessarily think that he's like a traditional rapper. Like I said, like he reminds no, me yeah. more of like um, 
like 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 said it's like spoken word in some way like he's not it, it's like or like the hold steady or something it's like he's not or mount or mm. mountain goats you know what i mean mm. it's almost yeah. as if he's uh he's just saying what's on his mind it's great some of it rhymes and yeah. some of it rhymes like he rhymes when he's making points but usually well but i mean at the end of a point all right well anyhow yeah so my point is just that like he's doing his thing Kendrick is doing his thing, and, and I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Like, if, if you're talking about, like, traditional hip-hop album of the year, and also, weren't these both fucking made, I mean, uh, released in 2012, right? Yeah, this is, like, years ago. What are we even talking That's about? That's why I was confused. I was so confused, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Forever ago. I feel like they were nominated for Best, uh, best um, Up-and-Coming Artist last year for the same shit. Probably. Anyhow, that's so... That's gotta have happened. I think yeah, well, what I was gonna say is just that um, you you have to understand they're totally different. They both should've won, but Kendrick should've fucking won. There's no, absolutely no question. Yeah, just for just for the scope of what he was trying to pull off as an album. That album really was legendary. Yeah. No question. All right, well, the other thing I want to talk about really, just really quickly, because I know we gotta get back to the Pope stuff. And the beer talk, stuff. Yeah. And the beer stuff. Um, but um, is uh, what Macklemore, the Grammys. Yeah. Like, uh, Tess, our friend Tess, t- tweeted a long thing about how um, she, uh, she tweeted Facebook. Uh, no, she just said that the whole uh, thing seemed derogatory and um, like it was exploiting, exploitative. It was exploiting uh, gay marriage. You know, the oh, fact yeah. that they married all these people on stage yeah. and then like had that fake marriage. It, yeah. uh, you know, and. Um, Dare also was not a fan of it, um, our other yeah. friend, uh, and um, I just think that uh, you know the from what I've heard, the uh, uh, LBGTQ. What is the other ones now? Do you know the rest? There's a few more. We'll look into those. <laughs> we'll edit that. The uh, the uh, yeah. LGBT. They they they. I don't think they've responded well to this uh, performance. I think they were really into the idea beforehand, but I think the way that they exploited it in those awards were uh, showed that showed that in the end, the Grammys and you know the record industry is all about selling things, not about um, representing any message. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course that's true, right? <laughs> Brings us back to us the whole thing about how at the end of the day, if it doesn't make money, it doesn't worth shit. And we're, I mean, what I will say is that I'm happy to report that we're in a time where it has just become financially viable to a certain extent for some companies to um, at least like on superficially express support for gay rights. Yeah. Like for instance, Coca-Cola got this big bash, backlash the last couple of days because they had this thing where you could personalize a message, and I guess it was in South Africa or whatever else, but, and gay, the word gay wouldn't go through, but the word straight would, which is absolutely ridiculous, of course. And um, it was just funny because then they had to apologize, and it was like, look, we didn't Oh, really how did that. you do that? If they, didn't, if they didn't know, how would they do that? They said it was a glitch, but obviously it's bullshit. Yeah, it's crazy. And also, I mean, really, I was actually reading this because it was part of an article about how they're one of the you know, three main sponsors of uh, uh, Coke, McDonald's, and Procter & Gamble, three main sponsors of uh, the Sochi Olympics. 
Yeah, Sochi Olympics. We should make that a topic of something else. We should talk about that another time. It's so time. fucked up, man. It's kind of like... Um, we should probably do an episode just like something to do with, um, yeah. you know, rights for... Should uh, we marry a bunch of people stuff? on our program? No, no, no. But I, I do think... Well, yeah. I think it's an interesting debate because I think that it is, you know, a fundamental issue, which we shouldn't even be talking about in some ways because it's so stupid that <laughs> it's even an issue. But yes, on, on, that's true. Uh, at the same time, I think that in terms of the scope of humanity's problems, it probably falls like fourth on the list or something behind oh, dead man. people and, uh, you know, the You're going to piss a lot of people over. off with that. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's ever going to be, we'll probably edit that part out, but I'm just saying. I don't like, know, man. I feel like gay rights are pretty much paramount to, uh, you know, everything. Yeah, but what do you feel about, like, uh, the human rights group? I mean, human rights them? campaign. What about them? Do you donate money to them still? No, I don't donate money to anybody. Like, uh, I used to donate money to them, and I, I withdrew funds because I feel like they uh, focus in on uh, American politics in terms of uh, gay rights, and they're not de- interested in, like, what's going on in Uganda or, like, oh, yeah. um, great what's going on in uh, Russia. We, we were just talking about it, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's yeah. only... Uh, it, it's got to be a global issue. Everything has to be a global issue these yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we drink a, our last beer? Lay down me, big brother. Okay. <laughs> Giving priority to space means madly, means madly attempting to keep it together. Bring it back. Giving priority to space means madly attempting to keep everything together in the present, trying to possess all the spaces of power and of self-assertion. It is to crystallize processes and presume to hold them back. Giving priority to time means being, self, means being concerned about initiating processes rather than possessing spaces. This is what I was talking about, about space versus time. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is like a really cool thing, but it's, once again, like it's not, it's not particularly you know, associated with economics, but it is associated with the way that I think that you know, we should be living life in some ways, that like, we should be more focused on uh, processes. Well, it's funny, actually. This might be a bit of a stretch, but I have something uniquely economic that, that ties directly into that. Well, he, well, just before... Go ahead, yeah, they, yeah. He, he ties directly into um, talking about long-term uh, economics as opposed to short-term political and economic gains. Like, yeah. in terms of thinking about, like, long-term processes as opposed to, like, short-term gains. Yeah, this is exactly that. All right, so check. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's actually very good. So right now we generally uh, conceive of our, of our economy as a exchange where we purchase goods, right? No strings attached. We buy the shit. It wears out. We buy new shit, right? Yeah. Let's course. use, and oh, I've talk, probably talked about this before, but let's use carpeting as an example, okay? So... I don't. I personally hate carpeting, but let's say that you have a carpet in your house. Why do you hate carpeting? Because I'd rather just have rugs on my wood floor. Wood no, looks better. I would agree with that. It looks better, but yeah. it's harder to maintain. Disagree. Carpets are harder to maintain. Yeah. Anyhow, and this is my point. So, you fucking, you have a carpet, and you buy this carpet, and then after, like, whatever, let's say five, ten years, right, you got to buy a new carpet, right? Mm-hmm. And they, t- they tear the whole thing out, they give you a new one that sucks. It's expensive as shit, it sucks. That's not a service flow or a process, let's say, in this analogy. That's just a uh, exchange. Two exchanges, I guess. Mm. So, back in the late 90s, a uh, 
Oh, uh, beer. I don't like this beer as much as the other Weyerbacher, by the way. Really? I'll take some more. Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Um, so in the late 90s, this guy revolutionized this whole thing, which is a good model for, for uh, a new economy in general, which is basically instead of you buying the car, but you rent it per square foot for, from him, okay? So essentially, or, or rather you lease it, let's say, okay? You're leasing this carpet. So his guys come in, they install it when you first get it. And then you, uh, instead of, let's say, um, you get a lot of use right between the uh, coffee table and the couch, okay? It's, it gets worn out there more than everywhere else. In a normal situation, you'd have to replace the whole thing once any one part got really worn out, right? Yeah. Because it's one thing. Here, since it's by the square foot and you're renting it or leasing it, they come in and they can replace it square foot by square foot. And that's part of the deal. So you pay a monthly fee to have carpet, full service carpet, right? So it's How much, and is it cheaper in the long run? Oh, it's completely way cheaper. Considering if, I mean, if you live in your house, you know, for any substantial amount of time, it's way cheaper. You know, if you live there for a little, if you're renting, I mean, let's, this is assuming you own your house, right? Of course, of course. Okay. Let's say if you own your house, then yes, absolutely. It's way cheaper. Um, and it's great for them. It's great for everybody and the environment because you're not replacing the whole carpet. You're replacing little pieces. And since it's their responsibility, like... The carpeting company has an incentive to make it high quality and last longer because the better quality they make it, the less they're going to have to replace it and the more money they can make in the long run. So with this kind of uh, financial flow, it's it's a no-brainer for like high-quality goods and also uh, conservation in the long run. It's incredible, right? Yeah. So that's what that's like a big thing. That's like one simple example of of transforming to the service economy, not in a, not service like McDonald's employees, but service like a flow of goods for everything, not just a purchase of goods. What the fuck? Are yeah, you sure? Yeah, the, you like noise? the management, like uh, that happens with a car deal. What? What's wrong? This is just that, I guess. Uh, that happens with car dealerships too. The car dealerships are managed through um, government interest in some ways. You know the car dealerships like no, manage their power. This is another... Uh, thing I heard about in another podcast. Um, <laughs> but there's, a, yeah, car dealerships are uh, uh, managed uh, by government, like they're divided into districts and you can't, they can't have competition between districts if there's a, a previously registered <laughs> district uh, really? dealership, For a certain which, is, which is why they're handed down a lot of times to the next in kin because uh, there's statutes in the government that they, that they, in, that the companies can't even uh, break so like if if Subaru wants to deal cars in a certain area in Pennsylvania They might have to deal through Pete's family even if they don't like Pete's son who's now running the business They Pete was alright. They hired him but Pete's son's a dick and they have to still Oh, yeah, I know Pete's son. He's they he's have quite to a, still quite a bitch still give their cars to Pete's son even though they think like Joe would be better at it but Joe can't sell those cars and so like you know, there's there's no good way to buy a car because of the way that it's set up as an organization, and there's a lot of consumer goods that are like that. Anyway, wait, um, wait, can you call my phone just real quick, see where it is? Yeah, that's fine, dude. Actually, maybe uh, if you if you give me my card, I bet it's there. Yeah, don't. Yep, it is. All right, great. Great. Moving on.
Okay, so this says uh, we need to, uh, this is what he's talking about. There's also a constant uh, tension between ideas and realities. He says there has to be a constant dialogue between the two, lest ideas become attached from, re from realities. This calls for rejecting the various means of masking reality, angelic forms of purity, dictatorships of relativism, empty rhetoric, objectives more ideal than real, brands of historical fundamentalism, ethical systems bereft of kindness, intellectual discourse bereft of wisdom. And I think that's like, that defines, you know, so many forms of um, uh, both religious and political practice on both sides of the spectrum. And it's a lot of empty words and, and, and empty facts that aren't based on uh, any sort of uh, real relativism. Just call a lot of people out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's calling, calling along. And then he talks a little bit about uh, the whole being greater than the part, which a lot of people have accused of communism and things like that. Greater uh, as a whole. He also interestingly refers to the church constantly as a she. Which you don't, you I, said like, that, yeah. No, I said that to you. I didn't oh. say that on the record anywhere. Okay. But uh, I don't know if, uh, I, maybe that's a thing in the Catholic church. I don't really know. Yeah, I've not Do you know anything about that? Church no, I've never heard that. I like it, though. It, may, it seems appropriate. Yeah, it does seem appropriate. I was wondering if it's because of the Mother Mar Mary. or Yeah, like it's really if, fucking um, cold in here, bro. Right? I'm okay with that. I'm all right. All right, well, let's, let's, let's move on. Okay, yeah, we're going to move on to responses. All right, well, can you do me... So, I want to talk about Stuart Varney first. Can you just like give, me, said, like, give me my computer? Right there. Okay, because you had some things, too? Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about Stuart Varney first, because he's a crazy guy. Okay. And he said... Uh, you know, he, Stuart Varney is this uh, Fox News, um, I want to say pundit, but he's, he's not, he's more than that. He, he has a or mind less. of his own. Yeah, okay, more or less, exactly. But he, um, but he has some rather unique opinions. Um, he said in response to both uh, the discussions of minimum wages in the wake of the Pope's um, words and, uh, you know, the the Pope's uh, statement in general that um, he said to first to a commentator, I know you're going to give the emotional side of the, of the story. People need $15 to live on. They're starving without it. Okay, I got that. I want to ask you about the economics of it. Wait, when did this happen? Uh, this happened on live television uh, uh, about uh, soon after the uh, Pope's speech. No, no, no. Soon after the Pope's speech, I would say in uh, mid-December. Mid-December, yeah. Yeah, I remember this. Everyone's like, why not a million dollars an hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was they did that. That was that was something else. But he also said, um, "Capitalism is a liberator. The free po the free choice of millions of people is the essence of freedom." In my opinion, society benefits most when people are free to pursue their own self-interest. I know that sounds like a contradiction, but it is not. When individuals are free, we collectively are better off in every way, financially and spiritually. He continued, "I go to church to save my soul. It has nothing to do with my vote." Pope Francis has linked the two. He has offered direct criticism of a specific political system. He has characterized negatively that system. I think he wants to influence my politics. I disagree with a pope that doesn't like free market capitalism. Can, and this, is, this was my major question, can a Catholic disagree with a pope um, at all? Is that within a, a, you know, okay, maybe, is there, is there, a um, reform version of Catholicism, I guess, is my re there isn't really. It's an orthodoxy, isn't it? 
essentially. I mean, certainly there are people who don't follow like the eating habits, but they generally have to follow what the Pope says. No? Well, I think that gets to the, the debate. And I would be curious to talk to someone who was not taken by the... Excuse nice. Me. That was a fart, people. Fart. Yeah, it was. Um, very malt-heavy beers. Um, that was taken by the kind of like uh, neoclassical economic argument of it all, like rich get richer, etc., and actually take it from a, a purely Catholic standpoint. Because I feel like from a, from a Christian standpoint, then what he's saying is a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not helping the poor, then you're damned to hell, basically. Yeah, but, there, they, but uh, there's another guy. I mean, we'll get to it in a moment. Sorry, go ahead. Want to top me off there, bro? Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, I'm not really sure exactly because I have no concept of Catholicism at all. And I'm going to be the first to admit that. Yeah, maybe so I, we I should. Really uh, on, maybe we should call? interview a Catholic. Yeah, who can we call? It's, well, uh, we don't have to do it right now. We can go. I'll get somebody uh, in New we'll York. Edit, we'll edit this in. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so guys, but 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 I want to say there. no. Hold on. Hold no, on, this look. is from a guy talking about a Catholic. You know. I just and wanted to add a filler. But he okay. said, um, "All right, so this guy, uh, for INC, uh, was talking about his friend Andrew, who's a." Uh, who's a good Catholic who runs a manufacturing business near Philadelphia. They employ 75 people. They have a good marriage and good kids. And he goes on and on and where, on about how exactly? good of a person Andrew is. I don't know. He, he never gets specific about Andrew's last name. So Andrew's just a guy he knows. He could be Frank, you know? Who's Frank? If, but this is the point. If there is a heaven, Andrew will go there. If Jesus is there, he will welcome him. Who says this? The ING guy? The INC guy. Wait, but why is he... Uh... He's talking about this guy, Andrew, because Wait, Andrew mean... disagrees with the Pope, and I'm going to talk about why Andrew disagrees with the Pope. You mean I-N-G, right? Not I-N-C. No, I-N-C.com. Yeah, I-N-C. Who's I-N-C? Look it up right now. Pause while we look up I-N-C. Gene Marks wrote this Ink magazine, you mean? Yeah. Not... We keep talking about it. I-N-C. Ink magazine. All right, let's go back. Ink magazine, Yes. He said, it, uh, he said the document which informs, you know, uh, attacked unfettered capitalism as a, new as a new tyranny, which it didn't really say, actually. What's it his said, name? It said that... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Gene Marx. G-E-N-E Marx. Anyway, That's so... That's ironic. So... M-A-R-X? Um, no. No, M-A-R-K-S. Anyway, he, he lists four reasons why the Pope was wrong. He first says the Pope is wrong to attack the idolatry of money. Uh, he says, is it, it is because of Andrew's devotion to making money that he has money, more money than his community. Is this so bad? Four reasons the Pope is wrong on capitalism. Yeah. He says uh, business owners like Andrew who idolize, revere, adore, and like to make money are the ones who have contributed to an enormous increase in living standards for billions across the world over the past 200 years. And I don't know if that's true. Do you think that uh, business owners in general have been the large contributors to world progress or do you think it's been governmental influence in terms of who's actually helped progress? Do you think Coca-Cola uh, has done more for... I mean, maybe Coca-Cola is a bad example. 18, uh, no, no, IBM. Has, has IBM done more for humanity than, um, let's say, 
Yeah, the U.S. government or... Oh, U.S. government's iffy, too. Yes. Unequivocally, yes. IBM is a bad example also because they basically... Uh, invested in Nazi... They ba- no, no, no. They basically made the microchip popular. You know, a consumer... It doesn't matter. It's a, that's relevant. I don't mean... It's apples and oranges. It doesn't matter. The whole idea is that, like, the government should work in tandem with the private sector. Fundamentally, it is a... It is a um, a symbiotic relationship and anyone that says otherwise is f- quite frankly ignorant as fuck about politics well this is the next thing the pope is wrong when he asked politicians to guarantee all citizens dignified work education and health care he said governments don't do this people do this businesses do this it is the taxes the businesses like andrews pay which enable our elected officials to provide work education and health care Pause for a second. It is interesting that he separates taxes from government. So he says the taxes are important. The things that are done with the taxes are not important. Continuing on. The Pope should be reaching out to Andrew. He should be saying, what, can, what more can I do for you, Andrew, to help and you grow your, your business, business and make, make more, more money so, so that, that you can, can give people jobs? jobs? We don't want handouts. I, well, I wasn't going to read the rest. It demeans us. It's pretty... It's pretty uh, uh, vapid, uh, irrational. I'm not saying that there aren't critiques to be made of what the Pope said. I'm saying that this isn't particularly one of them, any any of these. Uh, The next one is, and he talks about, you know, the idea that people like Andrew are basically job creators, which I think as a fundamental argument has been pretty much... um... What? I think it's been uh, satirized and destroyed. I don't know how to say it better. Well, this article? No, no, no. The idea of uh, the rich as job creators in the market. Because if that were the case, we would be doing really well right now. Those 85 people would be employing a shitload of people. Yeah, um, I agree with you, but I I don't think that idea is satirized or marginalized whatsoever. That is the prevailing idea in American society. Okay, but that's what okay. Well, that's what he's saying uh, basically in this defense of what the Pope said, and I I think Jesus would you know. I mean, like here's the bottom line. Like what's so what pisses me off so much is that like this could all be resolved by looking at the stats. Okay. He also wait. He also in the next bit suggests that we want to be like celebrities and rich people. Do we all want to be like celebrities and rich people? Do you necessarily want to be like people who are obsessed with money? Do we all want to be We those want 85? to be like them. Inequality motivates people. Yeah. Is that true? I mean, yeah. to revolution, certainly, but does it motivate them to uh, positive acts? Well, listen. Did inequality... Inequality motivates people, like, back maybe in the 1700s when there was some potential... Or this is actually, How did inequality mind. motivate no, people? No, 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 Like the art, like Da Vinci suffered a lot of inequality in his mm. life. What mm. does that mean? What are you talking about? Let me take a let me take a large step back. Shakespeare. No, no. Let me, let me take a large step back. Um, inequality, like, is definitely one of the primary motivating factors for people to like, but not get angry at. Well, inequality with the promise of, of being one of the upper class. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's a big discussion. My, my, um, my, my friend has a tendency of saying that, uh, my libertarian friend has a tendency of saying that uh, the, the, 
the poor's struggle is only helped by the hope that you know something better is out there and that that gleaming hope helped i mean hope is it the only the only thing the only positive thing they have in their lives sometimes how is that even positive at all well that's what i that's what i always uh posit as a quandary because it it really is a question of how do um you know how do you view something as positive that seems to be taking away yeah all meaning from your life like what is life if we're putting a dollar sign on it and i guess my whole assertion yeah exactly my whole assertion is that we're post like uh bringing yourself up by your bootstraps like this is we're in a society now where like it's way harder to be an immigrant and make something for yourself and become wealthy in america you know what i mean like that just that's not the way it used to be that's a fact yeah um so it, but it was the way it used to be because there were you know kind of like infinite resources there were infinite um, potential right, exactly and now, now it's very trained. finite because it's a uh, it's global all right exactly all right well let me can we go back to what i th- I, can we talk about um, some other reactions? Yeah, I want to talk about Paul Ryan. Both said that uh, that uh, the Pope's speech was great because it breathed new life into the fight against poverty, but at the same time said that uh, this guy is from Argentina. They haven't had real capitalism in Argentina. Yeah, I, is that I, true? I, I Do they not that. have real capitalism in Argentina? Uh, no, not really. But it's just, yeah, it's but real. what does that even mean? Like he doesn't, but he has even been like, he's been living in the Vatican. Does he have any conception of what's going on in Argentina at this point? It's totally arbitrary and irrelevant. I'm not exactly sure what, I mean, I know that, I know that um, they've had a definitely market that is not, that is semi-controlled by the government in terms of price points and everything like that. But that's irrelevant. I mean. We'll look into that more. I I was just asking. All right, so let me. Can we talk about the Wall Street Journal article? Or unless you have anything else to say about that one. No. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, it's interesting to me that all of this is happening on the fiftieth anniversary of the war on poverty. Oh yeah, that's true. It's like it seems all very like. Do you think the Pope was influenced by that? But it's an American thing, though. So I feel like it, was that even a world issue? That was was it a UN declaration, right? Is it something? Like, yeah, is yeah, it something yeah, yeah, that yeah. the Pope? would have recognized and said, I want to commemorate or coincide with this issue? Or do you think it, it, it's just a coincidence? I don't really know. That's a good question. All right, can we talk about the other one now? Ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. I got, I got some more things, but we'll get back to that later. All right, so this is the like, little kid writing for the Wall Street Journal, right? Mm-hmm. That one? And he said this, like, and, and it is vacuous. The pontiff recently asked why it is news that the stock market drops, but not when an old person dies. Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. When yeah. your leader is asking, why isn't the newspaper a laundry list of obituaries? You know you elected the wrong guy. And this this quote is like horribly taking the Pope's quote out of context, which was something along the lines of, why is it news when the stock, the stock market drops two points? But not when an old woman dies. Old, old in, in homeless the cold, man dies. Yeah. No, in the cold outside, right? It wasn't yeah. just like not when any person dies. So basically, like. But I think he was saying when any person dies. I think he was saying that life should be more valuable well, he was, but he than didn't money. Just say, he didn't just say when an old person dies. No, certainly not. I mean, there's obviously a sense of like 
trying to paraphrase the post comment to give them less um, validity and less, that's like the whole thing about saying like, oh, he's from Argentina, he doesn't understand capitalism, he's uh, the Obama Pope. It's trying to take away credibility from him because I think there are Catholics who, or Christians in general, who are looking at this speech going, you know, this seems to click with a lot of the beliefs I've held throughout my life and disagree with the way I've been living my life. Yeah. And it's scaring yeah. some of the entities that be that people are starting to feel that way. Yeah. All right. So let me, um, you want to tell me off real quick on the beer situation? Yeah. All right. This is good. I was going to talk about one more quote that I really love that I really want to talk about. He declared, some people continue to defend trickle-down theories which assume that economic growth encouraged yeah, by a free market too. will inevitably succeed in bringing about greater justice in the world. This opinion, which has never been confirmed by the facts, expresses a crude and naive trust in the goodness of those wielding economic power. Yeah, I read, I read that earlier when we were talking about yeah. economics and stuff. Yeah. And that kind of hits the heart of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I actually, you know, I have um, a definition that was like the, the guy who coined um, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the term trickle down. Yeah, yeah, I know that quote, yeah. Um, he said, um, a successful economy is George Gilder. Uh, it was part of his rationalization. And he said, a successful economy de depends on the proliferation of the rich. The function of the rich is fostering opportunities for the classes below. And pretty much off of, off of that, um, you know, supply-side economics, you know, David Stockholm and uh, Reagan created... And Laffer. Um, yeah, and Laffer uh, created uh, a system which, which ultimately failed, I would say, the, you know. Well, you the poorest 20% of Americans dropped by 12% while the, uh, the incomes of the wealthiest 1% increased by 136%. And I would say now the inequalities are even greater. Although I would say it's a continuing function of uh, corporate law in general. It really is not just specifically trickle-down economics. Trickle-down economics, we could just be talking about subsidies, you know? Like, like subsidies are just as bad as anything that we're talking about there. Subsidies are not trickle-down economics. Well, uh, no, no, no. If you're giving a subsidy to an oil company, that is kind of trickle-down economics no. in a way. No. You don't think so? No. What do you think that is then? I think, I guess you're right that it could be justified as trickle-down economics, but I guess you're right actually, no. But um, it's pretty fucked. I was thinking more about this and the whole idea that we basically give tax breaks and subsidize the wealthy, that somehow the money will magically just like end up in the less fortunate's pockets is absolutely ridiculous because that presupposes a lot of things, you know? Mm -hmm. It presupposes the fact that manufacturing takes place in the country. Right? Mm -hmm. Because if that was the case, like if we lived in a closed economy where it's like, you know. Well, it was a closed economy for a long time. When FDR was dealing with it, it was a closed economy. And right. he, had, he had all these ideas about regulating prices in terms of externalities that we could like. That's, that's actually how, you know, 
a lot of industries were formed by us regulating prices in other industries. Like we regulated prices on, um, Nixon regulated prices on uh, pricing of uh, manufacturing cloth in South Korea. So then it transferred to India or um, Bangladesh because, um, you know, the prices were too high. Right. That's kind of what I'm talking about. But anyhow, um, what the fuck was it? <laughs> so sorry, dude. Uh, End of the night talks. Dude, I want to just have some fucking cigarette situation um, right now. Whatever you want to do. No, don't give me that D- dismissive tone. Wait, I just want to. This other this guy who I have I've been reading his crazy shit. I just want to say, he said he that the guy was wrong about uh, the homeless. When a homeless man dies of exposure, it is not news, but is news when the stock market loses two points. Which is he did quote him correctly, but he says he's wrong because as sad as it didn't say homeless man, it was a uh, uh, old no, he woman. D- he did not say old woman. I looked uh. at the Vatican document. We read it earlier in the night. Anyway. He says it's wrong because as sad as sad as it is, a homeless person dying affects one person. A drop in the stock market affects millions of lives. No. Do you think a homeless person's death does not affect? Uh, are they assuming they don't have a family or like any kind of connection with society at all? And if so, isn't that the problem? You're playing things on this computer, Hunter. They're being fools, dude. He also says that the death of the homeless man is tragic, but not as tragic as the impact that a significant loss of wealth has on world progress. What about the loss of life? Isn't the life that God gave the person more important to the progress of, of you know, Christian and moral life than, than uh, you know, some imaginary uh, piece of paper? I, I just don't understand how... Wealth has helped the world progress more than people. Wealth and people health. Isn't wealth only a function of wealth. the people who are using it? Health. What are you talking, dude? Come what? on. You're just yelling into a microphone. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. I was trying to say that... Uh, it says, free will, the encouragement to create more wealth, investment, and jobs is what the world needs. And I just feel like that's so incorrect because I just don't... I don't think that uh, that wealth is is the main contributor in terms of human success. I think human success has been mostly determined by creativity in the face of uh, uh, desperation at times, maybe. But but certainly not in terms of when we've been most prosperous. Do we come up with our best ideas? Do you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's not a. I think sometimes our poorest, the poorest members of society have been the most productive. And I, I think that ignores that fact. Regardless of what you want to say about it otherwise. No, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, I also want to say Home Depot founder Ken Longen was the one who threatened, he said that the Pope is being mean to rich people. And he said um, that uh, he knows of a few people, uh, a potential seven-figure donor who... Uh, was made hesitant by the Pope's comments in terms of donating to St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York for the restoration. Well, go fuck that guy, you know? Yeah, but I mean, should charity be subject to political inclinations? Well, I mean, if they want to be, charity is totally subjective to, like, the people that want to give charity. Like, so... Yeah, yeah, but I'm... Okay. Right? 
Yeah, I guess. How how is it? I mean, fuck him, man. You know what I mean? I just feel like there's more to say about that, but yeah. Of course there is. I'll wait till you come back. You wanna you don't wanna come with him? So yeah, do you think uh, any of this like uh, you know when uh, during uh, economic crises during the depression and everything, uh, the politics politics has always swung towards uh, conservatism. But after really you know, though, I, yeah, yeah, historically speaking. Okay. Yeah, I have um, I at least some you. research that uh, supports this. Or whatever, yeah, let's just roll on that, okay. Um, uh, yeah, conservative parties generally perform stronger in ballots than the mainstream left soon after both economic crises began, talking about, you know, the recession and the uh, depression. This is Professor Johannes Lindvall's uh, research on the Great Depression. All right, Johannes, let's go with him, yeah. Um, and he says that once the Great Depression was no longer seen by the voters as a major continuing threat, the political pendulum tended to swing back towards parties of the center left, which is kind of when like um, Dwight Eisenhower was around. You know what I mean? Like, well, he was still kind of considered right, you know. Center. I mean, a little bit, but in terms of social policies, maybe. But he got a lot done. He certainly was not economically conservative. And he did he warn. He did warn of the military-industrial complex. Yeah. Anyway. But I think it was, uh, I, do you think that this is going to be, like, do you think this, this like, 50th anniversary on poverty, this discussion of uh, minimum wage that has been uh, maybe or, or maybe not uh, caused by the Pope's, dis Pope's dissertation uh, is a t turning of the tide for liberal uh, po politics, or do you think this is, just another blip on the um, roller coaster that is modern American. Uh, Bloody bloop. Yeah. Discussion. Well, yeah. I'm thank, sorry. No, Discourse. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty tipsy right now. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Thank you, Juice Box. So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, mainly, what I feel about that is just, is main, is, Predominantly that nothing's gonna actually shift discourse in this country so much so that it'll be a overnight change. That being said, I think that someone as high ranking as the Pope, certainly who's not traditionally known as a politically progressive liberal. <laughs> Do you think the Pope oh sorry, go ahead. Um, I think that's going to be right, raising some eyebrows, and it already has started some conversations that are pretty important to be having in outlets that traditionally do not have the type of conversations that they're having. Do you think the Pope's word is more powerful than what Obama has to say, than the president's? Because um, I would say right now, probably. Yeah, I would say, at least in this case, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because it's so... It's so um, like Obama is, you know, considers himself a liberal, whatever, but like a democratically least president. So him saying that stuff is not really like crazy. But someone like the Pope saying that shit is is absolutely crazy. And quite frankly, I think the Pope has been uh, more frank about the the corruption of the the current political system than Obama. You know.
Firmly. So in that sense, I think it's radical because A, his... Is this chewing of chips really loud, by the way? No, not even. I think it's A, radical because that's not something that the Pope historically has said. And B, because he's even being more frank than, you know, our supposed progressive uh, president. Yeah, not even progressive, socialist, communist president. But that's the other thing, is that they compared him to, like, the Obama Pope and all those things. Like, right. what does that even mean? Like, how, how are we making a comparison of another world leader to an American leader? Like, what is that saying about, are they saying yeah, I mean, the tide of progressivism is taking over global politics? If, I mean, if this is the tide of progressivism, then I'm just, like, sad. You know, because that's just like a, a sad fucking <laughs> substitute for progressivism. But, yeah, I, I, it's all bullshit. I don't really don't even like to entertain the idea. You know what I mean? Like Obama, he's like the Obama Pope, whatever. It's bullshit, man. Fuck it. You know? For me, like, I honestly am just glad that we're having a discussion about income inequality. I, I'm, I'm really... It's definitely changed, I feel like, the environment of what we can discuss... Um, like before, before what the Pope said, uh, and not even just before that, but before the anniversary, okay. like I said, of the war on poverty and all those things. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we were more centered on just like trying to get government to function and, and feeding, you know, the debt of the government to make sure that we were... F- Funded in our budget for the year and, and yeah, keeping like government even employees. had money. Yeah, it was just like basically, will government run today? Uh, and now it's a discussion of like, can government actually get something done anymore? And I honestly, you know, I'm very hopeful right now, but I feel like when we're finally putting this out episode out a month from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about how this was uh, nothing happened really. There was no discussion of uh, minimum wage ever again, and um, we moved on to something else. Some sort of war that we're going to involve in next. <laughs> but, like, here's what I'll say, and I know it's incendiary, but the whole idea of a minimum wage is a band-aid on a larger concept. And this is coming from, again, I am someone who considers myself very liberal, very progressive. Certainly. And... Well, welfare is a band-aid on a larger issue. Of course, and I, they're they're kind of they're kind of a band-aid the same way. So for me, you don't need a minimum wage if you have appropriate labor standards and laws, right? If and were, a balance of labor that is appropriate to uh, human life, like in terms of right, working hours of human life, because if like I honestly believe, I mean. Not to go entirely off topic, but we shouldn't probably have 40-hour work weeks of course in, in terms yeah. of our uh, mental health. It would be a lot better if we all worked 20 hours a week. But, you know, modern capitalism and the way we view it can't get us to that reality where we're all working, you know, 30 hours a week or 25 hours a week and pursuing our, our individual goals and our free time and having that time to invest in family and so society and politics. And, and I think that causes a lot of apathy because people have to work really hard just to survive. Yeah, that's kind of my whole point. What was I talking about there before? Oh, that those things are band-aids. On- yeah, so I'm all about minimum wage, I'm all about labor unions, and I'm all about um, collective bargaining and everything else. But the, the issue is that minimum wage should be irrelevant because 
there should be regulations in place where labor is guaranteed a certain standard, right? Plus healthcare and, well, and benefits. And et I think if education was more readily available, then labor would be an easier thing to uh, discuss in terms of opportunity. But the opportunities certainly are not. It's not a you know, it's not even a remotely fair uh, game to begin with. In terms of the job market, yeah, uh, the rich definitely have the priority, uh, just because of degrees that they can pay for that other people can't pay for. All right, well let's. Uh... And that's a say. I'm saying that as a Bard student. Yeah, right. Number one most expensive school in the country. True. True. And that's it for Evangelique Audium. Tune in two weeks from now, where we'll be broadcasting from New York on new microphones, and look out next week for a special mini episode. But for now, goodbye from Henry and Hops. And of course, it's story time. Story time, 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 story Story time, 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 well, Asheville was awesome, but that's not really much of a story. It's just like I had a great vacation. <laughs> it was really fun. You have any Martha's Vineyard stories? Or like stories from when you were living in New York? Oh, man. At the Y? Oh, God. So many stories. Um, I have one funny story. So, um, it's not that funny. But my friend and I, we used to always go to um, these free concerts in McCarran Park in the pool. Now it's actually a real pool again. But back then it was like an empty pool that wasn't being used. We would see all these like free shows. It was great. And we drink a bunch of wine and we bring a bunch of wine with us. Because we were underage, but the wine shop shop across the street would sell us bottles of wine. And uh, we get these big-ass yellowtail bottles just for like 10 bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Sit on the roof in the summer and just drink lots of red wine and white wine. Probably white wine. <laughs> It was intense. I never drank more wine than that, than that summer. But then we'd get, get drunk and go to these concerts and, uh, in the park. It was great. And one time, uh, my friend was talking. She was going and getting us beers. Because she had a fake, oh, because she had, she, had, she had a fake idea. Um, we were 20. It was so annoying. Um, but And then uh, she's bringing us back our beers. And, uh, excuse me. And... This reporter, like, asked her some questions, you know, like, about going to the concert and stuff and just, like, the scene or whatever. It's, like, a New York Times reporter. And then she gets published in New York Times, and it's, like, she says her age is 25 because she's, she has these two beers. <laughs> and, and she's 20. Oh, or maybe she no. says she's 23. Or I don't know if we can talk, tell the story. Dude, what? I mean, I don't know. I'm not naming any names. Henry and Hops. Henry and Hops. Henry and Hops. Henry and Ops! Henry and Ops. It's not it's not safe, dog. Okay! Hey!
watch the wolf suit. 